Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Hi everyone, let's uh, begin our new series in the book of Psalms. So I'm sure you all know that the saying first impressions count. And the Psalter, the 150 Psalms of the Old Testament, they're no different. You see, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, they are the first impression we get of all the other 148 Psalms, designed to orientate us to what is to come. They're purposely placed here at the very beginning, and they're unified by the word blessed, which we see at the very start in 1 verse 1, and at the very end of 2 verse 12. And both are telling us of the blessing that comes through God's word, which is the focus of someone, and the blessing of taking refuge in God's son, that's Psalm 2. So today we're going to begin and spend some time considering Psalm 1. And as we do that, the first impression we get from the Psalter is in the form of a question. It's this, what sort of person do you want to be? What sort of person do you want to be? You see, Psalm 1, it draws the portrait of an ungodly person and a wise person, contrasting to the two, asking us to make a decision. Do you want to live wisely and flourish as a human? Well, Psalm 1 tells us how. So let's unpack these two portraits. It's quite straightforward in two parts. First, we're going to see the way to avoid. Secondly, the way to go. So let's begin with the way to avoid. The psalm begins by saying, blessed is the person who. Now pause here. The biblical writers had something else in mind than a hashtag when they said blessed. You see, the truly blessed person is to have God's grace upon them. It's to have your footsteps ordered by God and his word. As Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You see, blessed is the privilege of receiving God's favor and leaving his intent, which all happens by his word. But before we get to what sort of a person is blessed, according to the Psalms, we travel over the description of what it's not. So why is this? Well, quite simply, it's to disarm us. Don't think the blessed life is found here. You need to change the optics by which you understand blessed and sinful. And so we begin. It says, blessed is the person who does not. And then we're given a description of someone walking in step with a wicked person. Ungodly is also a good way to translate that word too. But the psalm is quick to point out, all the walking is actually getting them nowhere. You see, they're slowly grinding to a halt because the walking leads to standing and then to sitting. 
Now you see, to stand in someone's way in the Hebrew language, that's the language this was originally written in, by the way, carries the idea of doing what someone does, adopting their lifestyle and their habits. It's not just the occasional glance towards someone else, or even just standing in the way and being a nuisance to them. You see, we see, we're beginning to see a description of someone influenced away from the blessing of God's grace. Not only do they start to uh, walk, then they stand, they also after a time sit. You know, this is like buying a new house when you've settled on it, you've decided on it, you want your life to be now here in this place, in this neighborhood, you've settled in. You're now living a life in the company of those away from God, and the psalm says you're living with mockers. Maybe not maliciously, living apart from Him, you know, but certainly thinking that you are your own little God, you're able to run your kingdom, your life without God's loving rule and care. Now what we have right here is a threefold progression, and it's a way of saying to us right from the beginning, don't do that. Back out if you're down any of those paths, if you're walking, standing, sitting. And this language is harsh and strong. It's so that we would listen to the God's call and hear wisdom and heed it. But then a little later on in verse 4, we find the way of life described for us again a little bit more detail, the way not to go. You see, not only is it ungodly to live this way, it's actually a fruitless existence as well. And instead of being a fruitful tree, the the ungodly are likened to worthless chaff. So in an agrarian society, this was a very common language, but it just needs a sort of common image, but it needs some explaining today. So chaff is the stubble of wheat, the bits that are broken off, they're not good for anything. As the wheat gets beaten and trotted on, uh, it gets flung up in the air and kind of floats away. The good grain is heavy, it falls to the ground. But the the chaff, the outside husk, is good for nothing. Today, it's actually used as a bulk filler in horse feed to keep the horses chewing longer because unlike uh, humans, horses don't produce saliva, only when chewing, I mean. And so the chaff encourages them to have good gut health, essentially. And so that's what chaff's good for today. But in short, it's a picture of a futile, empty, worthless life. And this psalmist is painting a very clear picture for us, contrasting the picture of a life that is more like chaff than a flourishing tree. It's not rooted, not planted, not being nourished or nourishing in any way. You know, later in Psalm 37, verse 35 to 36, we have this description. It says, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. You know, notice the difference here is that it isn't that they don't look wise or happy, you see. They're compared to a green tree, in fact. It's there's no substance to it all, you see. Calvin comments on this, on a life of a green tree, but it's really chaff, and he says, they have such an overflowing abundance of wealth and honor that nothing seems wanting their present happiness. But however high they may be raised, and however far and wide they may spread their branches, yet having a root in the ground, the whole of their beauty by and by disappears and it withers away. Now, all of that explains something really important, you see. You see, there are two types of people. We have the blessed and the ungodly, and they both have a different future before them. Look at verse 5. The wicked will not be standing in judgment. The sinners, they won't be sitting or involved in the assembly of the righteous. It's a tad shocking to use the language of wickedness and judgment and sinners today, but, but you see, the focus on the psalm is to put us to put us to us the very real teaching of God that is in fact the place that you're going to find life. And the question is, what will be decided about your life? Will you be included with the righteous? Will you be deemed godly or ungodly? Because the path you choose now affects the choice later on, you see. And this is the second portrait we come to now. This is the way to go. 
So you may be thinking to yourself, well, Luke, I really don't want to be chaff for my life to be meaningless, for it to blow away in the wind. So what can I do? Well, the good news is that God's econ- in God's economy, it's far less about what you do and far more about who you are. In fact, it's actually refreshingly simple. Look back at 1 verse 2. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his Lord day and night. A couple of observations here. First, notice the blessed life comes in a totally different place. It's not in walking, behaving, standing, or, 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 or sitting, taking cues in life from others, you see. It's being influenced in God's word. Did you get that? Listening, hearing, meditating on God's word is what leads to a wise life. And after all, God wants us to choose life. The trouble is, all of us are under the curse of sin, walking in the way of Adam, standing in the crowd with David as he sleeps with Bathsheba and he has her husband Uriah killed. We're sitting with the people of God when Amos said of them many years ago, you love ivory beds and material wealth. Or when Isaiah the prophet said that we're haunty, walking along with outstretched necks, flirting with our eyes, strutting along with swaying hips, with ornaments jingling from our ankles, loving our reputation, loving our own beauty and self-worth, you see. You see, the ungodly, though, are grinding to a slow hole in a complex web of activity. But the way of God, it cuts through the noise and is a refreshing melody of grace because we see just one thing defines the blessed person, meditating on God's law, characterized by a mindfulness of God, musing over his law, which is a delight. But that's not just inner mental activity, by the way. The Hebrew idea of meditating is something we talk about, something that's on our lips, You see, there's no separation between uh, secular or religious here. No private faith that's just your own. Faith in God is as public as it is private. It's meant for the marketplace and the marriage bed, so to speak. So the blessed person finds life in God's law. And they also run to a different rhythm. Look, it says day and night they take delight in God's word. You see, the scope of God's law goes beyond eight to five because God's word is eager to penetrate late night anxiety, go with us on early morning runs. It's built for the dinner table and over coffee. God's word fits perfectly on holidays at the beach and in isolation. It's the panadol for our soul's headache, the sweeter than honey for our mind and our heart. Psalm 119 declares that while I have seen a limit to all perfection, your commandment is exceedingly broad. There are limitations on resources, time, capacity, but one exception, God's commands are boundless. And notice a different effect. Notice how the writer describes God's law as a delight. Now, C.S. Lewis found this idea of delighting in God's law tricky. He said, how can you find law delicious? I mean, you probably aren't spending each morning finding joy in the constitutional law of Australia while munching on your Weet-Bix. So what does delight mean? Well, simply this, because God is good and his law is an expression of his character, the delight is not being able to say, I was obedient, because that would be delighting in me. Rather, it's meditating on the law, because in that you find your first love, God himself. So the law is a way to delight in God, you see. You get God. That's the effect the law has. And to have God is a delight. And then the psalmist describes what a blessed life looks like in verse 3. He says they're like a tree, but not any tree. Notice it says they're like a planted tree. They're not wild, just appearing in some strange place in a garden like the parsley does all over my garden, self-seeding. Instead, someone has purposely planted the tree by waters, plural, many waters, abundantly. And because they're planted here, they can now yield fruit. 
they prosper like a fruitful tree. So we can say in the same way that as a tree is nourished, fruitful, sustained, so too is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord. Now an objection arises here. How do you reconcile this blessed life, flourishing life, with the all too common dark nights of the soul that you face? What happens when life isn't like this? Well, the first thing to say is that God's, in God's economy, to prosper is not to be fruitful always. It does say, after all, fruit in season, not always fruitful, right? It is a promise indeed, but it does not mean you can measure the promise by what you see. The author's point is that a blessed life is not a reward, but rather the result of a particular type of life. Because there are many times and seasons when life is not prosperous, when it feels like God hides his face, where it feels like troubles crash over you, like a wave where there is simply nothing sustaining you. It feels like that many of the other Psalms we will look at address those times. You see, prosperity in God's view isn't General health and wealth, avoiding harm, not facing pandemics or suffering through job losses or having lots of money. This isn't the purpose. This isn't the meaning of life. Being prosperous in God's view is not outward success. And that's exactly what the blessed person starts to see in the word of God. Rather like a tree taking security from him, being in a desirable condition, unlike the chaff, unlike the ungodly, you see. So when life isn't like that, rest assured you've been planted by streams of water. The truth is that God can and does use weak, sick, discouraged, beat down, lonely, struggling saints who can cry to him day and night and accomplish amazing things for his glory all by his grace. And then in verse 6, we're finally introduced to the Lord himself. And what do we see? Do we find a God that's aloof, looking up in heaven, distant? Well, no, actually. He watches, literally knows our way. He's aware of our life and all that happens because he planted us. Psalm 103 verse 14 uses the same word for watching here and says this, for he, that's God, knows how we're formed. He remembers that you are dust. You see, life is not driven along by chance or random events. God is the judge of the world and outward appearances are what they seem. And as surely as God plants his people, he is taking care of them too. It may look like God is not paying attention, that he's distracted, he's letting evil reign, go unpunished, life spiral out of control, but he will bring order out of confusion, you see. And the comfort in those times is exactly what verse 6 says, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. And so that's the second portrait. It's a way of life that is watched by God leading to life, but the way of wicked leads to destruction. So then what can we say about Psalm 1 in closing? Well, I think before we ask the question that we posed at the start, which way will you choose? I think it's important to ask another question that we see Psalm 1 wanting us to ask first. The question is this, who is the blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? Is there someone who never walked in the council of wicked or stood in the way of sinners or sat in the seat of mockers? And the answer is Jesus Christ. He is the person. He is that true blessed one. You see, in a great turn of events, Jesus himself was nailed to a tree, not for flourishing in life, but for death. He took the curse of the ungodly and the wicked on himself, being mocked, being abused, so we can receive the blessing of adoption of being purposely planted into his kingdom and flourish. You see, we cannot plant ourselves into God's kingdom, into a flourishing life. We need Jesus to transfer us into his kingdom, to give us living water, to satisfy our souls with his word and life. 
uh, struggle today, I think, is that we are tempted to find blessing and life in everything but Jesus. We say things like this, I am blessed when a boy notices me because I feel valued. We say blessed is the one who can work and perform and find significance in what they do at the office. We say blessed is the one who is who has a good reputation and is liked by people. We say blessed is the one who has nice kids and a tidy home. We equate the life we want with God's blessing, you see. But someone challenges us on all those assumptions that our definition of the good life, of prosperity and approval, it's not found where you think it is. This is what it wants to orientate us to at the very beginning. The issue that we have as humans, which the truly blessed one Jesus is able to correct, is that we have a blessing problem. It's not that we balk at the idea of a good life, we simply haven't a clue what it really looks like, you see. I think we're far too easily pleased to even consider that the blessed life could look vastly different from what you first imagined. And so to choose this blessed way, to see it in God's law, is firstly to confess and repent from trying to be your own blessing and to ask the truly blessed one to forgive your faulty sinful hearts. Blessed is the person who finds Jesus, you see. And maybe you're following Jesus, but you need to spend some time too, maybe repenting of certain attitudes that have snuck up on you where you're trying to find significance and meaning away from him. And the last thing we see in someone is that we see God's idea of mindfulness too. Mindfulness with God's word. Now, we're more mindful of being mindful than ever before. Workplaces, schools, the recommended apps on your phones. Mindfulness is integrated into all of that, it seems. And that's for good reason, sure. But there's a big difference, you know, from Eastern meditation and God's idea of meditation and mindfulness too. Simply put, Eastern meditation is about escaping, pushing aside and centering on the inner self. Going inside yourself to cut through the noise. But in contrast... Biblical scripture meditation is actually about filling, not emptying. It's about hearing another speak to us, not yourself. It's not about finding a deep place in your own minds and souls, but being drawn deeper with our minds to know the character of God. Martin Luther once said in his preface to the book of Psalms, place the book of Psalms in front of you. You will see your own self and in it, which you can finally know your true self, as well as the God who made all things. So perhaps it's time to renew your delight in God. May I challenge you, encourage you even, to carve out intentional time to meditate on God's word every day this week. Our our Facebook group has daily Bible readings to encourage you in that. The, The recommended Bible reading for the year we've talked about has five chapters a day. Why not choose the blessed life in God's word starting today? And as I say all this, I'm mindful too that there are, there are two types of people that may be at a tipping point right now. Some of you can see both options, two portraits before you, the way of God, the blessed life under him. But at the same time, there's another way that looks really, really appealing. And may I just ask you to think about this from Psalm 119. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And to those of you who don't really want to go away from Jesus, but finding life very hard at the moment, may you hear the end of the psalm in verse 6 that says, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. And to both groups of people, may you know that there is a God whose words are sweeter than honey, who does watch over your way, and the blessed life is not going to be found anywhere but in his word. May all of us choose, as we begin our series in the Psalms, 
to heed, to listen to the call of the wisdom that's found in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. May you go into your week delighting in God's word, in the word of life, Jesus, in the grace that he gives to the forgiven soul. May you know that forgiveness, that grace this week. Amen.